I got a text late last night, I should tell you about this, and somebody wanted to know what the focus of the sermon would be this morning, and I wrote back one word, forgiveness, and this particular person wrote back one word and said, yikes. Um, That is our focus this morning, forgiveness. What is that? Who needs it? Who needs to give it? Who needs to receive it? Let's read God's Word. Luke chapter 7, and I'm going to be reading verses 36 through 50. Luke 7, 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50, and they could not pay. He canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged Rightly, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with her ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And literally, the original language says, Go into peace. Go into peace. We made a commitment at the beginning of this series, this face-to-face with Jesus series, that we were not going to talk about a a sanitized Jesus or a safe Jesus or a precious moments Jesus, a real Jesus, the real Jesus. 
That's what we're after in coming face to face with Jesus. And when I was thinking about the title for this series, this is the first story, the first Bible account that that came to mind. This is a classic, maybe the classic face-to-face with Jesus story. You have two people who are in the presence of God. Two primary characters who are in the presence of God. They're looking God in the face. They're coming face to face with Jesus. And they have two very different responses. But it also dawned on me as I was thinking about this series, this is a very southern parable. That is a very southern parable. Why do I say that? Years ago, when I first came to Mississippi in the late 80s, I asked somebody who'd lived here for a number of years, what's it like to live in Mississippi? Now, I've lived here a long time now, but I was new. What's it like to live in Mississippi? I'll never forget what he said. He said, um, Mississippi is the nicest town I've ever lived in. What, 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 what's this all about? The nicest town... There are things that we care about, things that are important to us. And one of them is hospitality. Knowing one another. Hospitality, welcoming one another. And right at the the center of this parable, we have a meal. It all happens in community around a meal. And the other thing we're going to notice in this story, not only does it happen in community around a meal, but relationships are important. In this story, everybody knows everybody else. You know how kind of we, we know a lot of people. Relationships are important to us. And knowing other people is important and, and gathering is important us. Everybody knows who the Pharisee is. Everybody knows who the woman is. Everybody's heard the message of Jesus. Everybody at this meal, in the context of a community, has heard the message of Jesus. They've heard. How have they heard? Because another thing that kind of categorizes the South, news travels fast. You know, we live in a a, a social media age, but it still seems to travel faster in the South. Jesus' message has traveled fast. And they've heard of him. They're aware of him. You know, all we we need is, is... In this story, to make it perfect is maybe SEC football grits and hunting, and it'd be perfect. But there are things that come up throughout this account that that we we just get. We just understand. The Southerners. The message that's spreading so fast, that they're aware of, that they've heard, is that God loves sinners. And that God forgives sinners. God loves sinners. God forgives sinners. And 
what I want to look at for a few minutes this morning is how they respond. What we're after is the response. Look at how the Pharisee responds to that message. Look at how the woman responds to that message. And the whole reason this is written, the whole reason that this is written, is your response. How will you respond? The Pharisee, the woman, us, our response. If you were here last week, you remember we had a, a Pharisee in last week's story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and the Pharisee was standing up in public trying to earn his approval and his acceptance with God. He stands up in public and tries to earn his approval and acceptance with God based upon separating himself from other people and doing the right thing and setting himself up as an example for other people to follow. But he's trying to earn his relationship with God. This week, we have another Pharisee who looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, earn your relationship with me. Jesus, I have certain expectations and and standards for you. I have a test for you. Earn your relationship with me. If you earn it, and you live up to the standard, and you do the right things, you can be one of us one of the religious and cultural elites in this community, if you pass. In essence, the Pharisee is saying, prove it, Jesus. He calls him a teacher. He's open to the fact that he might be a prophet. Prove it. Prove it. He's not interested in the fact that God loves and forgives sinners. He's interested in a debate and an argument and Jesus proving himself to him, to the Pharisee. Now, let me say something about the setting. Imagine yourself at Highlands Presbyterian Church. Now, that's not hard. You're here. But imagine yourself at a Highlands Presbyterian Church missions conference, for example. We do that every year, and there's lots of planning and preparation for an event like that, in advance for an event like that. And somebody's going to come and speak. And imagine that this person who's going to come and speak, you've heard this person, you've read his books, you you, you know his message, you're aware that he's coming. You're looking forward to him coming, and, and he comes. And he speaks on a Sunday, and then after the service, somebody invites him over to lunch. Now, a lot of scholars believe that that's exactly what's happening here with with Jesus. Jesus has preached in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and now he's been invited over to somebody's house for lunch. But imagine... That person, after preaching, after ministering, after being here and being invited into somebody's house, is publicly and openly snubbed. Publicly and openly snubbed. You know, it might happen in our culture by 
Well, in, in this way. Hey, can, is there a place I can put my jacket? No. Uh, where do you want me to sit? I don't care. Do you have a restroom? Find it yourself. Well, do you have a family? Do you have kids? Do you, it's none of your business. That's not hospitable. And that's what's happening here to Jesus in this story. Jesus, as a teacher, as someone who teaches, who ministers, he would have expected on entering this scene to be kissed on the cheek. That's their handshake. He would expect it to have his feet washed or at least be given some water to wash his feet. He would have expected to get some olive oil. Again, an ancient custom. It smooths the skin, it, it anoints, it cleans. There's a nice scent. This is a, this is a, a culture where the, people aren't wearing Nikes, they're wearing sandals and they're walking around in dirt and sweat. Nothing. No hospitality. He has offered none of this. And he could have legitimately said, look, I, I get what you're doing here. I'm out of here. I understand what you're communicating to me. I'm gone. Now he walks in and reclines. He walks in and reclines at the table. Now, what is, what is all, all of this about? There was a, a Middle Eastern scholar who lived back in the 19th century. He traveled all over the Middle East. And he constantly wrote down what he saw and the practices that he saw in the Middle East. Fascinating book. Let me just read a little bit of a description of a meal that he experienced. A meal is a public affair. The gateway of the court and the door stand open. A long, low table, or more often merely great wooden dishes, are placed along the center of the room. And low couches or cushions are placed on either side, on which the guests, placed in the order of rank, recline, leaning on their left elbow. And their feet are turned away from the table. They're not under the table. Everyone on coming in takes off his sandals and leaves them at the door. Servants stand behind the couches, the cushions, and they place a wide, shallow basin on the ground and pour water over it onto the feet of the guests. To omit this courtesy, he says in this culture, would imply that the visitor is of very inferior rank. To receive a guest without kissing him on the cheek as he enters is a marked sign of contempt. Behind the servants, he says, the, the loungers, all kinds of different people, of the village crowd in. And they are not thought obtrusive in so doing. So we have a community event, a meal right in the middle. People are coming and going. The Pharisees there, Jesus is there, the important people are around the table, and this woman's out there in the crowd. While all this is going on, and the Pharisees not interested in love and forgiveness. 
He's interested in challenging Jesus. Prove it. Okay, what about the woman? This woman that many of us have read about before. She's heard the message of love and forgiveness, the love and forgiveness of God. Now, when she hears that message, much like us, she's got several options. We don't know where or how exactly that she heard it, but she could have heard it, embraced it, and moved on with her life. She could have heard it, embraced it, and gone to the Pharisee. And you know what the Pharisee would have told her? That's fine. That's wonderful. I'm glad you're thankful. Go to the temple and offer a thanksgiving sacrifice. Go do that. She doesn't do those things. She doesn't move on. She doesn't go to the temple. She, She doesn't want sacrifice. She doesn't want temple. She wants Jesus. And we can very much envision her walking around the village saying, Where is he? Where did he go? (laughs) I've got to find him. She's after Jesus. She sees him for who he is. She goes right to the source. And she finds Jesus. It is almost almost as though she is saying, I must show him that I love him. Not in order to earn something or merit anything. She's been forgiven by grace, received through faith. Where is he? I want to love him. I want to demonstrate my love for him. And I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. And so there she is in the crowd. And not only does she want Jesus, but she sees the insult. She sees what's going on. Everybody sees the challenge. Everybody sees what's going on. A woman of the city who is a sinner. Now, what's a woman of the city who is a sinner? Everybody knows her. And everybody knows what this vial around her neck is for. Everybody knows that she's a prostitute. And she uses this vial to smell nice. And to attract men. And here she is. And she bursts and walks and pushes her way through the crowd. And sort of loses it. She's weeping. Tears of joy. She has experienced the freedom of forgiveness. And she doesn't care what anybody thinks. And she, her tears fall on his feet. 
She anoints him. She anoints his feet with oil. And she does something that is unthinkable. Now, we get this. She, she lets her hair down. You, you know I'm not going to do... What happens in, the, in a movie when somebody lets their hair down? Oh, boy, we know what's coming. Or when somebody comes home and lets their hair down. Open, vulnerable. But in this culture... If she were married, her husband could divorce her for letting her hair down. She doesn't care what people think. She wants Jesus. And she wants to love Jesus. And she can't help herself. (laughs) The love and forgiveness that is inside of her is overflowing to the watching world, and they can't miss it. And everybody knows. And, of course, the Pharisee starts thinking to himself, this man is no prophet. This man is no good teacher. This man does not understand the law. She's She's letting her hair down, and she's touching him. This is embarrassing this is unlawful this is unacceptable and Jesus as he often does tells a little story a certain money lender once upon a time there was a money lender can I tell you a story Simon once upon a time there was a money lender right in the middle of all this and what is he saying about these two debtors One owes 500, one owes owes 50. He's saying the Pharisee is a debtor. The woman, seemingly, as people look at her, is a bigger debtor. We are all debtors. We We all have debts we cannot pay. Ever. We all have a debt we cannot pay ever. There's, you ever had a debt you cannot pay or a debt that's in front of you right now? I'm never going to be able to pay that. You know, hopefully you don't. I don't know. Don't want to know. But this is a debt that can never be paid off, that you can never pay off, that you can never pay off. She can never pay off. The Pharisee can never pay, pay off. There's hope. We can summarize this little story in two words, grace and gratitude. Grace and gratitude. What's going on with this woman? She has found what she has been looking for her whole life. Unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness. Offered by the only person that can do it. There is no other person like this. There is no other person like Jesus. There's no other person that forgives like Jesus. And she gets it. She gets it. And her heart overflows. Now, very briefly, in, in, in verses 47 through 49, let's, I just want you to be clear. She's not somehow earning her relationship Uh, because of her faith or because of her love. 
she's been offered free salvation. She's heard the message of grace. She has been offered forgiveness. She's experienced forgiveness. And love and faith are the fruit of forgiveness. Love and faith are the fruit of forgiveness. They're the fruit of the freedom that comes with forgiveness. They're what results. And so she runs to Jesus, and again, it's, it's, it's in public. It's costly, this, this perfume, this oil around her neck. It's expensive. She breaks the bottle, pours it on Jesus. It's yours. She's, you know, she's saying, you know, I used to put a lot of hope in this, Jesus. It's yours. I'm changed. I'm not the same. It's public, it's costly, and it's, it's, it's faithful. She's, she trusts Jesus. She trusts him. She runs to him. You know what amazes me as much as anything else about this account? We never know her name, and she never says a word. Now, we think we might know her name from some other accounts in the Bible, but here we never know her name. She never says a word. But she certainly, the the language of her heart is evidenced in her actions. She speaks volumes in and through her actions. Well, what about about me? What about you? What What about us? That's a nice moving story of a, a Pharisee and a woman. That's all nice for church on Sundays. What does it have to do with us? What difference does this make for us? Well, think about it um, this way. You know what this story does? It forces us. If we, look, if we look hard at this account of Scripture, if we look hard at Jesus, this account forces us to face forgiveness. It forces us to face forgiveness. Our need for forgiveness... And our need to forgive. Our need for forgiveness and our need to forgive others. Is it easy to forgive? Is it easy to forgive? Is it, is it, is it, is it, no, it's, it's not for me. It's hard to forgive somebody. We could think at a very simple level. You let somebody borrow something and and they break it. They break something you you give to them. Um, what are you gonna what, what what are you gonna do? They break something you that was my car, that was my lawnmower, that was my uh, jewelry, what, whatever. Let's take it a deeper level. Someone breaks their word. Not just break something you let them borrow. Someone breaks their, their word. Wait a minute, you promised. You promised. 
Or let's just let's just just go just go even deeper. Someone breaks your heart. What do you mean you're leaving? I thought we had an understanding. What are you going to do? Well, the first option you have is, is you can, we've all done this. We've all done this. I'm going to make them pay. Ooh, I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to, they're going to feel what I feel. They're going to experience what I'm experiencing. And what happens? You get trapped by your, your anger and paralyzed by your bitterness. Because you won't forgive. Because I won't forgive. Anybody won't forgive. Or you can forgive. But forgiving... Now hear me here. Forgiving is hard. And, and there's a certain dying to yourself. There's a certain pain. There's a certain suffering that comes with forgiving somebody. Because you still got the debt out there and somebody's got to pay it. And when you forgive, you absorb it yourself. And, and that's hard. But there is nothing, nothing so freeing as forgiveness. From Jesus Christ and to others. Or being forgiven by somebody else. Starting with God, forgiveness, forgiving others, receiving forgiveness from others. There is nothing so freeing. You know, Jesus Christ had every, he had every reason to say, look, I put him in a paradise and I gave him the world. <laughs> and I said, be fruitful and multiply. And they turned their back on me and wanted to be their own gods. I gave them my word and they, they don't listen to it and they turn their backs on it. In fact, they use their words to destroy each other. I gave them myself and they deserted me. Even my own father turned his back on me at the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he never said, they're going to feel what I feel. They're going to experience what I feel, what I experience. They're going to pay. No, he said, I'm going to pay. There's nobody like that. You know, and we know it. <laughs> we know we can't be like that. There's nobody like Jesus. I'll pay. I'll pay so that they can have unconditional, unconditional love and forgiveness. I'll stand in their place so they can see me face to face. I will stand in their place so they can see me face to face. I will go to the cross for their sin so forgiveness can begin. I will go to the cross for their sin so forgiveness can begin.
Look at the woman. We need to be encouraging one another to seek forgiveness from the Lord, experience the freedom of that forgiveness, and wake up every morning thinking, saying, asking, what can I do to show him that I love him? What can I do today to show him that I love him? How can I express my gratitude? I'm not earning anything that's just the fruit of forgiveness. The fruit of forgiveness is love. Having experienced that in our lives. You know, there's an old song, you know it, many of you. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I had a debt I could not pay. He paid the debt he did not owe. I needed someone to wash away my sin. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace all day long. Now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. All day long. I want to uh, close with this. You remember if you were here last week, we, we ended with a prayer from the psalm, Psalm 51. And that prayer began in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, change me, use me is the outline of Psalm 51. I'm going to do something similar this week because we've got a Pharisee and another character also this week. And I want to give you something specific to, to walk away with. And, and we've already read it, in fact. Uh, earlier in the service, Psalm 25, I would just encourage you, challenge you to take that, that prayer. You can pray that today. You can pray that every day. You can pray that prayer from Psalm 25 every day. But notice something about that psalm. How forgiveness, please notice this, How forgiveness is right at the heart of growth. It's right at the heart of knowing and instruction and teaching and growth and traveling the way with Jesus. And you see that in this prayer. That true forgiveness in Christ, true forgiveness of one another is a vital step, is a vital step in growth as a Christian. It is an essential step to growing, to growth, to maturity. If you cannot forgive, you will not grow, even if you're a professing Christian. If, you cannot, if, you're, if you're not a Christian and you cannot forgive, run to Christ and ask for His forgiveness. But if you can't forgive, you're not going to grow. You'd be stuck. Let me read it. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners 
in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt. For it is great. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame. For I take refuge in you. I take refuge in you. Let's pray. Lord, we take refuge in you. We ask that you would forgive us of our sins. We thank you that we are not, we we do not want to be Pharisees who judge Jesus, who say prove it, who say live up to it, who say meet our standards. Lord, We don't expect Jesus to meet our standards. We know that we can't meet your standards, but because of his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his standing in our place, we can see you face to face for who you really are. And as we sing, as we finish the service and and sing about forgiveness, And what it is and what it does, I pray we sing our hearts out and mean it. But we are humbled by what Jesus has done for us. That Jesus is the one person who ever lived who could have legitimately said they will pay. But instead said, I will pay. Because I love them so much. And forgiveness is free. Help us to be conformed to that image. To to in response to the, the, the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. To live for him and to love him. And to love his people and to love the world. We pray all of these things in Jesus name. Amen.